Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth. For the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Potterburn. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we get you prepared for the season. You may say, well, you guys are kind of already doing that. We've got a couple of position previews that have rolled out. We still have plenty more of those to come for you guys. But today, we talk to a man that has covered college football like nobody else, he previews it every single season, and he has been one of, if not the most accurate, year in and year out. He does it for all 133 teams now in the FBS. Phil Steele is going to join us here on this edition of the podcast. So make sure that you guys stick around to hear that on this edition. But first, we do have to let you guys know, if you haven't seen this news um, it, it was on social media yesterday, uh, and I'm sure that a, a lot of people within the Chapel Hill community probably know by this point, but uh, one of the staples of the city, uh, one of the iconic restaurants that probably most of us frequent, uh, unfortunately caught on fire yesterday afternoon, the Mediterranean Deli. Now, the good news is everybody that was working at the time is okay. Um, and it seems like right now, um, you know, they, I, I looks like they are trying to raise money, I think, to try to rebuild at some point. Um, so I'm going to put up the GoFundMe on my Twitter page. I know there are a few other Tar Heel writers. I saw it from uh, one of the guys that's been covering Tar Heel athletics, uh, did, uh, did so, or still does actually, for the Daily Tar Heel, uh, Noah Monroe. He actually tweeted the link out earlier today there is a gofundme to try to help them uh, as well as their employees i know there are some local businesses that have already offered some of their employees employment 
during this time as they uh, will hopefully attempt to build back. That is a place I have not been able to get there. Unfortunately, uh, that's one of the few spots I have not been able to try in Chapel Hill uh, that is on that list of must-try spots. But um, it's it's a spot that a lot of people have raved about for a while. Many people have, have raved about uh, the owner and and just how kind he is. And uh, we know that, you know, whenever somebody in, in our Tar Heel community is down, we always like to rally behind them and help them out. So please, if you could, make sure you check out that GoFundMe link that I will tweet out on my page and continue to pray for everybody. Uh, if you are, you know, a praying person uh, that uh, continue to pray for them during this difficult time as uh, they they go through them and and the other businesses around them um, go through a, a very difficult time. But as I mentioned, it's time to get to Phil Steele and hear what he has to say about the Tar Heels this upcoming season. And we had to start by asking him about the man that everybody is talking about. And does he think that Drake May can bounce back this season after the way that he finished a year ago? No, I think this is a quarterback that's going to be one of the elite quarterbacks in college football this year. You go back and take a look at last year. He had 30 touchdowns in his first nine games. And then just a 1-4 ratio. Uh, that's one touchdown, four interceptions over the last three ACC games last year. But keep in mind, North Carolina uh, clinched the, their division probably too early. You know, they got off to that 9-1 and one start, had wrapped up the ACC title game, and, and maybe took a, relaxed a little bit. You know, you've got the ACC game wrapped up. Uh, you know where you're going, and they got upset their final two games, and then, of course, steamrolled by Clemson. I think when you look at Drake May, uh, NFL scouts love him. I think he's going to be one of the top QBs in the country. Now, I don't think he's going to throw for 4,300 yards like he did last year for this reason. When I talked to Coach Brown, went over the team with him, he, he wants to run the ball better. He feels that that was a weakness last year, running the football, as was protecting the quarterback. And by running the football better, protecting the quarterback better, Drake may can look like he did at the start of the season, and the offense will be more effective. So look for a few less yards this year. But I think we're going to see Drake may look like he did those first nine games rather than the final three. Well, one of the big criticisms about this year's offense, Phil, of course, outside of the new offensive coordinator, is that there are a lot of weapons from last year that have to be replaced, mainly Josh Downs, Antoine Green at the wide receiver positions. It's it's bringing some people to the conclusion of could this be very similar to what we saw in 2021 with Sam Howell, where he really missed some of those guys that departed the year prior. But when I look around this group, I, I just don't see that. I see a lot of talent here, even in the guys that they brought in as transfers. What do you think of his skill group that's around him on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, and I agree with you. In 2021 with Sam Howell, there was that big drop-off, as you mentioned. But uh, I think the additions of the transfer portal really helped, bringing in a guy like Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech. Uh, McCollum last year, at Tech at 655 yards receiving, and uh, he's probably a lot like Josh Downs. Maybe even, uh, he's not quite as thick, but he might be a little bit faster, and he can run after the catch. And then you look at a guy like Devontae Walker coming in from Kent State, 921 yards receiving last year. This guy can flat out fly. I mean, we're talking about sub 4-3. He's going to be a true diffus maker. They've got a couple of veteran guys back uh, in J.J. Jones, who had 434 yards last year. Kobe 
Pesar, uh, who started four games last year, Gavin Blackwell. So overall, uh, when I went through the team with Coach Brown, he felt they were really deep at wide receiver with a lot of tall guys that can run. I think they're in better shape than they were in 2021, and we might not see that much of a drop-off despite losing two very talented wide receivers. Well, you talked about the running game, and let's talk about the running backs first. You know, this is a group that Mack has said multiple times. He said it last year, and it never really came to fruition, that they need to sort of create a little bit of separation in that room. Phil, I I look at this room. I see five guys that could play, could start for this team if they needed to. What do you think they have to do to find more success in separating those guys back there? Yeah, that's going to be a key, seeing who emerges. Uh, and, you know, talking to Coach Brown, he's, he has a problem at running back. He said, uh, we feel good about the running backs, but we might have too many. Yeah. <laughs> that's always a good problem to have rather than the opposite problem, which is not enough. Uh, you start with Amari and Hampton. Uh, he's a guy that's 220 uh, pounds and runs 4-4 speed. Uh, he was my number 13 rated running back out of high school. Uh, I think he's going to step up and emerge as perhaps that top guy this year. You've got a downhill straight line runner and Elijah Green, who is also a highly rated guy out of high school. And then how about the walk-up? Walk on British uh, Brooks. He earned a scholarship. He's another downhill runner. You mentioned uh, five running backs. Caleb Hood is a guy uh, that had 250 yards rushing last year. And then George Petway, you know, he was my number eight rated running back out of high school. He had an ankle injury and missed the spring, but he could really emerge this year. So it's a very deep group. If I'm going to put some my money on someone to emerge, I'm going to go with Hampton. But uh, I like the depth and the talent that they have at running back. Then you go to the offensive line, and yeah, that's a big part of the running game success as well. But more so, this group really needs to take a step forward in pass protection. First 10 games of last year, it looked like they were progressing a little bit better than the year before, but they really fell off at the end of the year. When you look at this offensive line group, do you think this is one that has a chance to take another step forward and finish the season maybe a little bit stronger than the one last season? Yeah, and I think running the football more effectively will take pressure off of having to throw the football. And then, as you mentioned, over the last four games of the year, uh, this unit gave up 14 sacks, where they only gave up uh, 26 in the first nine games. So it was a problem late in the year, and it really was an emphasis of the offense for Coach Brown was to get the pass protection better and the run game better. Now, you've got four starters coming back this year, which is always a plus, and you had in a guy like Willie Lampkin from Coastal Carolina, uh, Corey Gaynor coming in from Miami. So this is a, a, a very – Solid unit, an improved unit, and uh, I think it's one that uh, the offensive line is going to be cohesive, uh, and they they try to bring in a little more depth, try to get to those eight, nine guys, but uh, I like the starting five for sure. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball here, Phil, and you go to the two units that I think on this team overall have to take the biggest steps forward from last year and that's the defensive line and the defensive backs. You know, when you look at these two units, which one are you more confident in, you know, stepping up and, and, and being better than they were a year ago out of those two? You know, I'm going to go with the defensive line. I think it's one of the most improved units on the team. 
a couple years now. Coach Brown has talked about how pretty this defensive line looks. You know, they've got talented players that look really good getting off the bus and yet haven't quite produced the way you want on the field. I mean, giving up 4.7, 4.5 yards per carry the last two years, that's not that good. Only 17 sacks last year. But you take a look at a guy like Miles Murphy. He's got the size. He's really quick. He can run. Uh, and he had a really good spring. They were tough on him in the spring. He responded to that, and that's going to be a big-time plus. you got Desmond Evans on the outside who's going to be tall. He's, I think he's going to be an outstanding uh, pass rusher this year and really emerge after a couple of quiet seasons, quieter than you would have expected. And then uh, Kameon Rucker at the jack position. I think he's going to be one of the better players on the team. He plays that power end in the jack position, and I think he could be in there. And then they add in a guy like Amari Gaynor from Florida State. So I'm looking for the defense defensive line to finally live up to the way they look getting off the bus. Now, when we talk about the strength of this defense, it's really at the linebacker spot. When you look at the duo of Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, what do you think, you know, where do they rank in terms of some of the best around the country? Because it feels like these two, I mean, they were extremely productive last year. They had to be. Uh, but I think these two are, are finally getting a little bit of respect that they deserve from uh, guys in the national media. Yeah, you got. I've got them number 20 uh, linebacking core in the entire country. So they are uh, definitely a solid union. You look at Cedric Gray. He's probably the best player on the defense. A uh, guy that had 145 tackles last year, led the ACC in that category. He's a captain. He's a team leader. He's everything that you want. And, you know, he could have been a second or third round draft pick this past year, but opted to come back a huge plus for North Carolina. Then you take a look at, <coughs> excuse me, Power Eccles. Uh, he's a guy that's a little undersized, but his dad played in the NFL. Really emerged last year with 103 tackles. I think that's a great duo to build on at the linebacking core. And as mentioned, I have them rated the number 20 set of linebackers in the country. All right, two uh, quick ones here for you, Phil, before we get you out of here. Phil Steele uh, talking to us here on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Uh, I mentioned the defensive backfield. You have a little bit more confidence in that defensive line. You know, they do bring in a couple of transfers to try to help them out, actually a few transfers to help them out. Um, but, you know, with this unit, do you think there's just too much overhaul? What's your concern with that group? Uh, they lost some really good players out of the secondary, you know, guys like Storm Duck, Cameron Kelly. And, you know, last year you look at the pass defense and uh, they were only number 116. So it still is a concern for me. I think Huzzy can step right in. He's a transfer from East Tennessee State. And the one thing I found, and, and what I do uh, each year, Anthony, is I go over the entire roster with all the head coaches, and I learn stuff in the process. And the one thing I learned going over each player in each position was how many FCS players that were productive in the FCS level came in and produced right away in their first year of the FBS. And part of it is due to the hunger situation. These guys are hungry to prove something. Uh, they're underrated, and they, the experience level you just can't duplicate. So that's why I think a player like Huzzy can come in, maybe the best cornerback on the team, and if he can be that shutdown corner, then all of a sudden I think you're going to see them move up in the pass defense ratings. So still, you look at them, uh, safety, 
they haven't tackled very well at safety in recent years, but uh, Biggers is back. They had in a Derek Allen from Georgia Tech. They got Don Chapman. So I think the talent's there for improvement. I don't think you're going to see North Carolina be in the top 40 of my past defense ratings. It is the only unit on the team I do not have in my top units in the front of the magazine. Seven of the eight units make it, but the DBs don't. Uh, this is one where they're going to have to prove it to me this year. Yeah, I think we're all in that same boat as well, Phil. And the last question I'll ask you, we do it every year. When you look at this schedule for this year, I have Carolina currently at nine wins. I see that eight to nine win area as probably the expectation for a lot of Torrio fans. Do you think that is is about right? Yeah, the over-under in Vegas right now is eight and a half. And when I uh, went through the team and, and projected out each and every game, uh, there's a couple of key games on the schedule, I think, for North Carolina. The South Carolina game in Charlotte, right off the bat, that's a loaded South Carolina team, and, and that's going to be a difficult task. At Pitt, I think, is going to be one of those toss-up type of games. And then at NC State, rivalry game, you know the Wolfpack have done very well in that one in recent years, winning the last uh, two. So those three games are your toss-up games. The one game I have them a true underdog in is at Clemson this year. So I would probably be leaning in the nine to nine and a half win total for North Carolina. And I think this avoiding Florida state is huge. I think it's going to be Florida state and Clemson in the ACC title game as almost everybody does. But if anybody's going to break through North Carolina has got a really good shot at it. Uh, we love to hear the optimism, Phil. That's why we bring you on, man. We, uh, we 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 love the breakdowns of the team, Phil. Uh, you are the best, as you mentioned. You talk to each and every coach, go in depth on the roster, and uh, you are one of the most accurate guys out there when it comes to predicting these kind of things. So we always uh, trust you, uh, and that's why we bring you on every single year, Phil. Thanks for making the time for us. Really appreciate you, and we'll talk to you again next year. All right, man. Hey, sounds good, Anthony. And can I make a, a quick note for your listeners out there about of where course. the magazine is? Yeah, this go ahead. Please do. I appreciate that. The magazine uh, was in years past has been everywhere. You know, Walmart's, Kroger's, places like that. This year, it's exclusively at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. And from what I hear, a lot of them starting to sell out. And we're not replenishing them, so make sure you get there to Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. Don't drive around looking for the magazine. Three hundred fifty-two pages. It's the one you're going to carry with you the entire football season. You can also order it online at philsteel.com. And when you go to philsteel.com and order the hard copy version we give you the digital magazine for free and we update that all the way through september give you an example if you go to the northwestern page in my digital magazine right now it lists david braun as the head coach so it tells you how up to date it is so you can get it at barnes and noble books a million or philsteel.com and anthony how many years we've been doing this Ah, oh man, it's probably been about five or six now. Amazingly, we did have one year, I think, during COVID where we were unable to do it. But outside of that, uh, we've been linking up for years. So, always, I always appreciate talking football with you, Anthony. It's a, always a great conversation. All right, same to you, Phil. Uh, thank you again so much. Uh, make sure you guys go and get uh, the your Phil Steele College Football Preview for this year. Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, or the website. Uh, but uh, once again, hey, Phil, take care, buddy. We look forward to it again next year. Sounds great, Anthony. Have a good one, my friend. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, so we want to thank Phil Steele for stopping by with us. Always one of our favorite conversations each and every year in the preseason. 
And uh, the hope is that we are going to be able to get my other guy on, Brett Ciencia. I've reached out uh, to a few of the other writers that we've had on way back in the past. Uh, but unfortunately, I haven't heard anything back. So hopefully we can get Brett on at some point here, probably aiming uh, towards uh, the end of next week, maybe early uh, in, in August. Uh, to get his opinion on what he thinks of this Tar Heel team heading into this year. Uh, those are the two most accurate guys going right now. So definitely would love to get him on. But, uh, you know, always, always fun talking to those guys, those national guys that uh, have a little bit of a different perspective on the team than we do. Uh, so, you know, make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that. And make sure, uh, as we mentioned there at the very end, as Phil mentioned, you are heading – uh, to the stores, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, as well as his website has the links, uh, you know, to get. I believe that's just the online version. You might be able to purchase the hard copy on the website. Uh, but you, as he mentioned, getting the online version really is great because they update you all the way until the start of the season on what the rosters are going to look like. And, uh, you know, if there is some sort of movement, they tell you how that will affect the team. So uh, definitely something if you're a big college football nut, not just tar, not not just a Toriel football fan, but even if you are a Toriel football fan and you want to read what he thinks in depth about this team, you can head over and check that out. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention here on this edition of the podcast. We're going to be back later this week. Me and Zach Hubbard will be on an edition of the podcast, getting you ready for the commitment of Alex Taylor. But the Tar Heels, they have landed a crystal ball prediction for his commitment. Now, look, there is still plenty of time left here. Again, we've been saying, you know, that we think Carolina's in a pretty good spot, but uh, it all really comes down to whether or not Clemson was actually saving their final spot in this class for him. Now, at this point, it looks like that is not the case. It looks like Carolina, um, you know, is, is probably, you know, the team in the best position. Uh, if there if there are going to start being some of these crystal ball predictions rolling in for him in favor of the Tar Heels, um, but it's still you know at this point I I think it's still a little bit up in the air now. Michael Clark, who is an NC State insider for twenty four seven Sports, was the one that cast that prediction. Um, so that's definitely not nothing. I think that pretty much tells you at the least that NC State is out of it. Um, that was the third team really in this recruitment. So it really is down to Carolina and Clemson, but a good sign that Carolina is already starting to land some predictions a week out. That was actually cast last night. So a week out from his commitment. And of course, with everything on that front, also have a commitment coming up from Jonathan Paylor on August 5th. Uh, and then we'll close out the commitments from uh, really the, the last target that Carolina has in the 2024 class at this time in Javarius Green on August 18th. We'll have you covered on, uh, on, on that front uh, with all of that over on the website, Heel Tough Log. Dot com. Also, guys, make sure that you head over and check out all the coverage that we're going to have leading up to the season. The in-depth position previews, we've already recorded a majority of these. Uh, for the most part, um, you know, all the scholarship guys we talked about, there's no question. There are a few different guys that have been added to the roster since we recorded uh, these ahead of time, and we'll be putting them out. 
uh, at that that are walk-ons. So uh, we'll have all that those updates uh, in the position previews on the website uh, over there at heeltoughblog.com. Make sure that you guys also are, are following everything once we get into uh, into fall camp. Uh, where we'll have, you know, Mac Brown speaking a lot. So we'll, of course, have his press conference takeaways. Really, that's the best way to find out everything that is going on during fall camp. Uh, and we'll also have you guys uh, ready with our bold predictions, our breakout candidates, and a whole bunch of other stuff as we lead up to uh, the kickoff of the Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte on September 2nd in prime time against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, Hubert Davis just spoke to the media for the first time this summer, so make sure you head over there and check that out. We've got our takeaways from that press conference, and also uh, we, you know, will be uh, – you know, diving further into this team as we get closer and closer uh, to practice, which isn't that far off for this team as they try to rebound from a tough year a year ago. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Phil Steele for stopping by with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, no tar here. want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.